This time of year we hear scripture passages that are so familiar to us. So familiar to us, and I don't, I'm guessing that you probably don't take time and just simply reflect or think about them, maybe to go under the surface a little bit. So I want, I want to do that today. And my first question when I, when I read this from Luke, and, and just so, so you know, all of us conflate the Christmas story from Matthew and Luke together. So shepherds are in Luke, magi is in Matthew. All right, so just sheep in Luke, magi in Matthew. Remember that. There's a, there's a reason, I think, for that. But why shepherds? Why shepherds? I mean, if you were, if you were writing this story... So that the so that to so, to show how powerful this savior was, this king of the universe was, who had come to earth in the form of a child, was born. Why would that announcement not be made, you know, at the Colosseum, or in our time, you know, in the White House, or at the Senate, or you know, at the United Nations? Why shepherds out in their field at night? Why go to those who, in that time, at least we think, as we've studied behind the scripture some, were some of the more lowly people? Oftentimes, we, we think of it today like, oh, the shepherds, they were the, maybe the owners of the sheep. We're not convinced of that. Like today, lots of chicken farmers, they don't own the chickens. The chickens are owned by Tyson or by Purdue. And the farmers just get a fee for, for taking care of those chickens and feeding them the feed that they have to buy from Purdue or Tyson in order to, to get them to the right weight that then they get shipped off. So I think of that like that would have been that way then, that that there were people who owned the sheep, but the shepherds were the ones who had to do the dirty work, literally. Out there in the fields, bringing them in, taking them out, making sure they weren't lost, all that sort of thing. And so, you know, they, they probably then were not able, if they were, if they were of Jewish heritage, if they were Hebrews, they probably didn't have a chance to also worship in the temple and to do some of the ritual sacrifices. And so they would have also been seen as unclean. So it's just fascinating to me that Luke Luke has this announcement first of the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. And that the angels come. And then they fill the sky later. That they come one, right? One comes The Lord's angel stood before them. That's this translation. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. Of course, wouldn't you be? I mean, these are, we think of angels as these sort of white, fluffy things with wings. When when it talks about the heavenly host, the heavenly host means God's army. That's literally what it means. And so, I can imagine that that could be pretty terrifying. 
Are they carrying flaming swords, as we might imagine, you know? I mean, we can imagine all kinds of things. They're, they're de- depicted differently in the Scripture. But always they're terrifying at first. And they say, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you, wonderful news for all people. So this came to the shepherds first, those who were sort of on the bottom rung of the economic ladder, those, those who probably had very little power. I mean, remember at this time in the world, it was, it was the Caesars who had the power. It was Rome who was keeping the peace with an iron fist. They were the ones who had a lockdown on everything. Everything was controlled. And if you weren't in that power structure, you were pretty dispensable. And so for the angels to come to the shepherds, it just, it has this beautiful poeticness to it. That the good news comes first to you. To you who may have been longing for something to change for a long time. And it says, I love this translation. I bring you good news, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born. Your Savior is born. Not just a Savior. Your Savior. It's a very personal sort of thing. These angels come to those shepherds and say, Your Savior is born. And this is a Savior for all people. Now, the Caesars were regarded as sons of God. I don't know if you know this. They, they actually literally called them sons of God. There, there, were, there were birth announcements in the skies, as we read in the history books, of when the Caesars were born. It was written into history that the stars shined a certain way. And, 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 there, and there were these announcements, and they, and they were called sons of God. And so in some ways, this, is, this flies, this uses a language that the people would have understood for for an earthly ruler who comes, who's, who is now seen to be a son of God. But this is not just for those in power. This is not just to support the power structure that is in place. This is for all people. And this announcement comes first, at least in Luke, to the lowliest of the low. And I just thought, what, a, what an amazing thing. No wonder... No wonder the good news of, the, of our gospel is often most powerfully felt by those who are oppressed. By those who have literally been enslaved. By those who are held under oppressive regimes because they hear that those bonds will be broken. That they will be lifted up and given dignity and honor. Throughout time, we've seen this over and over and over again. The church that follows Christ flourishes when it is under oppression. It's a fascinating thing. And so for those of us sitting in this room, I'll speak for myself. I'm not under oppression. I've had lots of opportunity and privilege in my life. Because of, because of our economics, you know, my, my father was a raised cattle. I mean, 
they came up in, in the, um, he, he, he was just, you know, born after the Depression, and so his parents, I mean, it was a very hard scrabble kind of life. Um, my grandmother, well, let me just tell you, so my dad was a little over six foot tall. When he married my mother when he was, when he was 18 or almost 19, um, he weighed 145 pounds and he was six foot tall. So just, to, just imagine that. Like, I mean, you see the pictures? He's like this. I mean, he's literally teeny tiny. Within two years, he weighs over 200 pounds. Why? My grandmother would put the food on their plates from the stove and put it in front of them. And if they didn't eat fast enough, it was gone. And they had one serving because she, wanted, she needed to make that food last a lot of the times all through the week. It was a very, you know hard scrabble kind of life. And yet my, my parents went on then to send two of us to college who wanted to go to college and then were able to help support my sister and her husband as they then became owners of a business that they've since sold. So I've, we've had, I've had lots of opportunity. So sometimes I think about your savior is born. What do I need saving from? The hardest folks to evangelize, to move from, from, from a non-belief or a non-being part of a faith community position are white, middle, and upper class, well-educated folks. Why? We don't need God. I mean, we've got a nice house. I've got a nice job. I've got a nice car. I've got a nice spouse. What do I need to be saved from? But it says, your Savior has come. Because there are people today, right here in this city, who are praying for a Savior for their economic situation. And, it, and they may look just like you and me. They may have put themselves in a place where economically they need a Savior. They're hoping that somebody will, will just fix it for them, right? If we think that's what a Savior does. But there are people who are praying for a savior for their community. That the crime might be fixed. That the drug addiction might go away. That the violence in their home might stop. There are people who are praying for this good news to come to them. And so there are still those who need a Savior in some of those most basic ways that they might be fed, that they might be housed, that they might be clothed, that they might be loved, that they might know of their worth, that they might have joy. And oftentimes I think those of us who've who've done okay, who don't really feel like we need a savior in, in some of those ways, we, we forget. We forget the glories streaming all around us. I don't, I don't know about you, but this morning I woke up and my house was warm. My fridge was on and it worked and there was, there was cold stuff that was supposed to be cold and then I could put stuff in a microwave or an oven and make it hot if I wanted to. I mean, that's a miracle. I didn't have to start a fire to do that or put things outside to cool them down. 
I got in my Jeep this morning, and I put the key in the ignition, and it started. Hallelujah. I take that for granted every day except for when it doesn't. Right? I went into my bathroom, and I turned on the hot water tap, and hot water came out. Not immediately, but very soon afterwards. I mean, there are glory. I mean, those are just some of the simple things that that we take for granted that allow us then to go to that next level, to be those who can look around even more from that position of joy, from seeing those glories streaming all around us, from from hopefully being part of families or of of families that we've chosen that, that remind us of, of the dignity of our lives, remind us that we are loved, that we are cared for, that we are valuable and worth something. And that, having that, then allows us to be those who can hear this news about your Savior has come, and we can look around and we can say, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for me? Where is it that I need saving? Is it in my attitude towards certain people or things? Is it in my fear that, I'm not, that, I, that I don't have enough and I never will? Is it in my demonizing of another group of people to make them the scapegoat for some problem that I think I have? What is it that I need saving from? Because I, I'll, just, I'll be really honest with you. We might not think we need saving. And I'll speak for myself. I'm going to speak for you. I do. Every day. Mostly I need to be saved from myself. So I can be saved for other people. So that I, because of the fact that I, ha- I am able to feed and clothe and house my family, I am able then to use that as a platform to help other people who are not in that position so that they can have the dignity and the honor and the love of life so that they can know that they also can begin to build a life where they can have that for themselves. And I know this doesn't sound very religious at this point, right? I mean, it just sounds like basic stuff. But if you believe that everything is spiritual, that everything is imbued with the spirit and the power of God, then every choice that we make matters. Everything that we do and say matters. And if that doesn't scare you, it ought to. Because I know some of the things that I do and say, I, I want to take right back. And especially some of the things I've done in my past, I don't want those, that, those stories to ever be told. I need saving from those things because I don't need to live in the shame and guilt and fear of those things. I need to live in the today where I know that a Savior has come and has said, you know, I've given you everything that you need. Let go of the things that hold you back. Let go of the fear And embrace the faith and the joy of living today and be a light for other people in my name. Because Christ came as the light for all people. 
And I believe that is what we are called to do as people who follow Jesus, people who have opportunities to have a platform, is that we are called to be the light for others. So I invite you today to think about what it means that Jesus is your Savior. What, what is it in your life that you need saved from? And to ask God in our confession time for that saving. And then where is it? Where is it in your life where you can shine a light at work, in your school, at home, in your community, in your world? Where is it that Christ is calling you to shine that light, to show where those glories stream and where there can be joy even in the midst of difficulty. We are not that much different than the shepherds. And to them, the light has come. Amen.